this is At Your Cervix, the podcast. The podcast where pelvic health physiotherapist Emma Brockwell and Gwanya Donnelly talk to incredible guests who help lift the lid and bust the myth on all things pelvic health. This episode is brought to you by Pelvic Relief. Born out of necessity, Pelvic Relief was founded by mother of three, Eleanor Gardner, for all of those who discovered they could not access quality products and information to manage conditions such as pelvic pain, incontinence and painful sex. Led by science and quality, Pelvic Relief has brought together best-in-class products for Pelvic Relief, including source silicon and GRS dilators, O-nut, EVB support wear, period and incontinence pants, EZ Magic and yes, lubricants and moisturisers. Gronya and I highly recommend Pelvic Relief, frequently referring our patients to purchase quality products, knowing they will receive a quality service. To visit the website, visit www.pelvicrelief.co.uk. Thank you so much, Pelvic Relief, for sponsoring At Your Cervix podcast. Hello, welcome back to At Your Cervix, the podcast, where... Today, both Gronya and I are joined by a very special guest, Molly O'Brien. I'll introduce both Gronya and Molly into uh, the session in just a second. Before I do, I just want to tell you a little bit more about Molly herself. So Molly is an experienced registered midwife of 24 years of practice, and her practice is guided by a salugenic approach to birth with an emphasis on preserving, supporting and optimising the physiological birth process to achieve the best possible birth outcome and experience for the mother and her baby. She created and teaches a course for midwives, doulas, obstetricians and birth associates called Biomechanics for Birth. Attending hundreds of undisturbed physiological births in the home and midwife-led birth units settings gave her the opportunity to make a systematic exploration of midwifery skills and observations that can help identify the reasons behind labour dystocia or a difficult labour. Her aim is to introduce an understanding and resolution of the root cause of mechanical labour dystocia into mainstream midwifery and obstetric practice and education of maternity healthcare practitioners. Molly teaches the principles of biomechanics in the birth setting as part of a master's degree in two universities in the UK and in a Chilean midwifery school. She is regularly invited to teach in NHS hospitals and she frequently teaches the course online to a global audience of multidisciplinary practitioners. So Molly, welcome. And before you say anything, I just want to say a big shout out to Tracy Matthews, our lovely pelvic health colleague who put us in touch with you. So welcome, Molly, all the way oh, from France. Thank you. Thank you, Emma and Gronia and Tracy for, for, for spreading the word. Thank you very much. Oh, lovely. Well, first of all, I'd love to just start with probably what's seems to be quite a basic question but one that a lot of us won't be aware of Molly what is a physiological labour and birth please um well physiological birth and labour that's one that starts spontaneously and continues to unfold um uh, without um issue um with the right environment and the right support that can happen and um it results in a straightforward vaginal birth and one where the woman and her baby are in optimal health. So that's what we're looking at uh, when we're talking about uh, physiological birth. It's actually undisturbed. Perfect. The way, the way we, 
the way we'd all like to birth. The way, the way many, truth. many women like to birth, exactly. And in fact, that has been researched and that is what women say. They want it straightforward. And, and naturally, everybody says, you know, we'll accept intervention if we need it. And, and there lies the problem <laughs> because um, undisturbed physiological birth is actually quite rare. Yeah, isn't it? I mean, I perhaps it's um I hope not too much of a an obvious question, but 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 what are the benefits of having a birth mm. like this? Mm. Um yeah, if you can give us an idea. Yeah, not just uh, the mother, but baby as well. The mother and baby. Mm. I mean, uh the fact any physiological function that actually is efficient and works well is going to be good for your it shows that you're in optimal health in that area that's that's a good thing but what it really does result in is a birth that doesn't have um interventions that can cause harm and the mother and baby are free of that if they give birth undisturbed in a, in a physiological manner they 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 leave if um both of them um can feel uh, you know are in good health and the mother is um, uh, fit and ready psychologically, emotionally and physically to mother her, her newborn. And of course, that's going to be a great benefit to the baby as well. Um, and, 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 and sadly, we are not seeing that. I mean, you just have to look at the, the stats to say that mothers are, women are leaving um, maternity services damaged. Yeah. Oh, in some not- way, you know. What are the stats on that? Or, um, well, um, first of all, if 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 we go back to the previous conversation we had about the physiological physiological birth, it, the, first of all, we don't even collect the data on that. Oh. We don't even uh, no, it's not counted. Undisturbed physiological births are not counted. Um, birth with without intervention is counted. Yet there's lots of intervention in that cohort. It's like, well, that doesn't make any sense at all. It's almost like we're just ignoring the fact that you can give birth undisturbed, and that's problematic because we then don't have the data. And so, um, cesarean sections are rising really dramatically uh it's still uh, when you look at that the stats that you're given is roughly 30 percent but actually lots of hospitals are recording 40 to 50 percent but this is quite astounding and then you have got induction of labor and that's complicating matters Mm. because that has risen dramatically um uh, uh, and 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 so really um who is actually giving birth undisturbed those are the women who are at home, um, and even some of them might have their, bro- their waters broken. They may have the injection for a managed third stage. That's still, uh, those are interventions. So who, who are these, these women? They're few and far between, uh, sadly. And I, I think that's, um, well, it, it says a lot about our, um, what, how we view birth. Yeah. Well, tell us a little bit more about that, Molly, because that interests me. Like, what are the factors that have led us to where we are now? Like, why why mm-hmm. is it very much focused around intervention? Because mm-hmm. from my, I suppose, from my own experience through the the entering motherhood four times, mm-hmm. um, the focus, the certainly the narrative that is put out is that we will look for, you know, that we will support you to have an actual birth where possible. And then obviously then it, you know, things happen when you go into hospital. So tell us a little bit about why you think. Oh, we're in yeah. We're in. Yeah. Uh, I mean, 
a long story short, it's um, we have pathologized it. We've pathologized a normal physiological function, and um, it, it's a. It's about risk. It's a risky thing. It has become risky because we interfere unnecessarily. Now, don't get me wrong. I love intervention. I love obstetricians and their skills. Really, I I hold them to high in high regard when we need them. And there's the problem. Who is not requiring help? and assistance hardly anyone and that's why some of these women are choosing to give birth at home unattended free birth is rising we know that we're beginning to study that a little bit more and it is coming from the the, the fact that these women want to have some control over their birthing they want to have that straightforward birth that many many women are seeking to have because why not mm-hmm. we know that you can come out of birth feeling blooming marvelous not broken and you're choosing to give birth outside a system that looks at you as a disaster waiting to happen and there lies the problem that's how we are regarded disasters waiting to happen it's a really hard one though because i know there'll be a lot of women listening to this who I know. Strive for that normal birth know, and had done all the things like hypnobirthing <laughs> and they had yeah. all prepped, they had yeah. it all sorted, and they will probably, as you say, nearly yeah. either be have some degree of birth trauma or grief nearly yeah. at the fact they didn't get the birth they wanted. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah. you know, they in their eyes may have done everything that they could have done. What uh-huh. what do you think was missing? Do you think it was the approach from the support team around them? Or do you think in some circumstances we simply just can't control? It's multifactorial, um, uh, 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 Gronya. It's multi-layered, and 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 there's no shortcut to any solution here. And that's why um, I chose the route that I'm going down, which is biomechanics for birth, which actually I use as a vehicle to address more than that, because it's about culture, and um, it, it is what women are seeing. And what they're hearing, Mm -hmm. as we know, is like, this is a risky business. And you hear the stories and you think, oh, my goodness. Um, uh, 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 And um, you see it on the telly. For example, I I, I do teach. uh, I still have birth preparation classes for the women and their partners. And I ask them, where do you see birth take place? And they say, on a bed. Mm -hmm. So straight off. There's a problem straight off. And and they'll see them in lithotomy with the legs up in the air and with things being done to them. So they're almost accepting that that is a normal now. That is what mm-hmm. happens. And that and, and, and we need to st- we need to address that. And how we can do that, and I talk about this in my course as well, is physiology-informed birth preparation classes. Let's make meaningful birth preparation classes. And I'm sorry to say this, but they, it is the truth that the majority, and not all of them, but the majority of NHS birth preparation classes are designed for compliance. This is what's going to happen, and then that'll happen, and then this will happen. And it's like, really, is that helpful? First of all, where's the informed decision making here for, for these yeah. women to, to be part of? And, and secondly, it doesn't help them understand what's going on here. And also it gives them false expectations because you on the one hand, you've got hypnobirthing, which I love and adore. Um, and, and you can have that more calm, relaxed, easier birth um, if you are 
calm and relaxed and using your breath and 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 changing your mindset about uh, how this is all um um put to us uh, uh, about birth um but at the same time those same women are going into a hospital where that's a very that's a big challenge now to to maintain that positivity and the the the, the calmness because it doesn't um, it doesn't take you there. It, it it takes you to a place of we think you might have a problem, some sort of problem. You're too slow, or you're this, or you're that, or um, uh, uh, they'll. We've become the narrative is always risk. Mm-hmm. And I and that that's going to knock your confidence. But what it must what we also must do is and this is what I do in another um, birth preparation class called Moving for an Easier Birth, which I'm actually redesigning at the minute. Um, which is, do you know what? Sometimes birth does go awry. Sometimes it is hard. And 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 actually it's become harder because of again multifactorial reasons. We are giving birth on that bed. So we have restricted movement in the in in the room, which means that the mechanics of birth is going to be compromised because you your pelvis can't open up. You're not allowed to choose the birth position that you instinctively feel is right for you. There's a, there lies, that's a, a big problem. Um, but um, also, you know, the pain, the pain of birth. Mm. We talk about pain. Well, you know what? My third birth, I didn't have any pain at all. Wow. Just because None. of the mindset and None. because of the prep and how you yeah. thought about it? You know, I didn't even prepare I, I I just trying to get to sleep <laughs> I'd had a pre- I'd had previous I had previous difficult births well not not one previous but my first one he was back to back and I don't want anybody to take this up as being a, a problem because actually it's back to back isn't always a problem because it might be that that's your shape of pelvis that favors a back-to-back position so some women will give birth uh, uh, with their babies in that position it'll be absolutely normal and straightforward for them but it wasn't for me it wasn't my shape um, uh, and it caused me problems now if I had actually been able to get up and move around it was the likelihood was that he may well have actually um, shifted and I could have um, had an easier time as it was in 1979 in Shetland and I was on my back and I I, I thought oh well I have to do this I have to lie on my back um, and it was absolutely really 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 difficult I did push him out and you can do that but it was so much more difficult and painful and it shook me and um, my second birthday was a lot easier but I did feel that I had some emotional trauma that I brought into it from that previous experience and um, by the time I had my third baby um, I, I was much more relaxed about it and I, I just yeah it was easy and I didn't have any pain and so it, it, that's really why I wanted to become a midwife I was like well why the same person one this very same woman giving birth so differently Why is that? And that led me down this route of investigation. And actually, one of the reasons why, actually, I'm going to say probably two main reasons why women suffer and have a lot of pain. One is fear. And that's why hypnobirthing works really well, because it keeps adrenaline down and it keeps everything a little calmer and your perception of pain can be reduced. Um, and, And the second thing is mechanics. If your baby is not passing through your pelvis in the way that it's meant to for your particular pelvis, that can cause excruciating pain. 
mm-hmm. and it can actually be at the be- more at, at the beginning in the early part of your labor uh, it, it can be and and this is where oh my goodness I, I use this scenario when I um, teach and we go through what happens to to this woman who arrives and she's two centimeters dilated but she's really struggling what happens to her because she's ignored Mm-hmm. Sent home. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, there you are. There you are, Granny. She's sent home, or if she says, "No, I can't. I have come for help because I can't do this." She's labelled um, as. And then she's, yeah, yeah. Well, she can't cope. But rather than saying she can't cope, why don't we actually listen to what she's actually saying to us? Why are we not hearing what women are saying to us? And this is what um, this is why I'm I'm so passionate about it, because we have ignored those women. We're not listening to what they're saying. They often will say it doesn't feel right. There is something wrong. It feels like the baby might be stuck. Yeah. They actually tell us. And we just sort of pat them on the shoulder and say, oh, you're okay. No, she's just told us some mm-hmm. valuable information. Now you're not going to listen. And the fact is we don't listen because we don't know because it's not in our training. Right. Because I do feel, of all the women that I see, I'll be honest with you, I feel like I'm hearing more and more um, negative birthing stories at the moment. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I I my my feel my take on that is because the system is so horribly pressured especially since the pandemic mm. um I I'm sure you'll elaborate on this but I don't feel that necessarily midwives and and their support team is well supported yeah so therefore it's really hard to support a woman in in an environment where you're not as a professional exactly. well su- supported yeah. so are you seeing that have you seen that more as as your um your journey through your career has has gone on Yes, I, I think you're absolutely right, Emma. It, it has had a huge impact to uh, w- w- what we went through in the pandemic, but also the shortage of midwives and the pressure that they're under is immense. And 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 we've got to give them their due that they're up against it really, and trying to give good quality care in such pressure um, under such pressure is really difficult. And so my heart goes out to them. Mm. But the fact is that we have an over. Uh, medicalized um, birth environment. Um, we 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 pathologize the births. We we don't spend enough time looking to see why does it go awry. It's accepted. It goes awry because you know what, you women are just not very good at this, are you? It's really hard though because I totally hear and everything you say actually ticks my biases mm-hmm. and everything that I do about like it's a very we're, we're a whole body we're a mm-hmm. biopsychosocial system exactly. and we're actually very intuitive mm-hmm. um and it's funny because we did a podcast with the midwife Pip in it wasn't last season was it the season before yeah. Emma just if anyone wants to listen because it's about the pressures that midwives are yeah. experiencing and about mm-hmm. the short and how many mm-hmm. midwives are actually leaving the career they yeah. love midwifery but they hate the system oh absolutely um, so it was really eye-opening because I myself, like my youngest is three and I have four babies. So it's still very fresh to me, the whole mm-hmm. transition into motherhood. And I was thinking, jeepers, I had such admiration and respect. And actually, you know, if I wasn't a physio, I was like midwifery would be something that I yeah. think would be lovely because, yeah. but I was like such huge responsibility. There's two lives that you are here mm-hmm. or maybe more, mm-hmm. but you know, at least two lives that you're managing mm-hmm. here. Mm-hmm. And you can appreciate how knowing the NHS system from a physio point of view, where we don't have the same risk, we're not going to kill someone or, you know, we're not good. But 
our system very much changed. It becomes very litigation focused, becomes very much about paperwork over actual care and on site. It becomes more about we have procedures, policies in place to, so that we can show we're making governance rather than, okay, everyone's journey is going to be a bit different. Let's see how this woman wants to go. It's, mm-hmm. it, it lacks that individuality because of these systematic restraints. Mm-hmm. Um, Absolutely. Uh, I I agree with everything you've said. Uh, The the problem is that um, midwives are are really up against it, um, partly because of the lack of of resources, lack of midwives, um, but uh, 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 but also because of many um, midwives who are working in the biomedical model, which is where most women are giving birth and most midwives are working. um, I I, I think... uh, it would be hard for any midwife to deny that the majority of their work is overseeing obstetric intervention. Yeah. 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 It is not actually midwifery. Now, this is what I talk about in my course, because a part of being able to identify whether what's going on for this woman is being able to do midwifery work, which is identify when a physiological process starts to go awry. Right. That is part of our duty, um, our our remit. Now, how can you do that when you're working in a biomedical model that is really rushing about looking Mm. for machinery, looking for pumps, looking for medication, looking for this, looking for that? You have hard women, midwives do not have time to pee. They don't have time to have a drink of water. So how can they have time to practice something called watchful attendance? And watchful attendance is an art and skill to sit there quietly, observe, take in and take note of the pattern of a lab- of labour that is unfolding in front of her and work out whether or not everything is fine. And to be clear, is that something that you're taught as a midwife or is that something that through your experience you've learned and then put into your it's courses? Both. It's both. It's both. It's both. So you-, you should be taught. You should, it, you, it should come up in the training, um, uh, but it's not elaborated on. And, and, and it is difficult because it is something that you probably have to experience. And there are indeed different patterns of physiology unfolding, different people. Like you mentioned, Gronya, I think you mentioned individuality and some women will their pattern will be slightly different from another woman's pattern Um, uh, and we have a spectrum of patterns of physiology unfolding and unless we actually attend those births and you know you know miscellaneous births of physiology unfolding we won't be able to recognize when it goes awry another question I ask in my course is do have we normalized agony Mm. have we normalized an agonizing birth when women are really struggling do we just think oh well that's what labor's like but actually it's not it's so are not. you saying that labor should be less painful than a lot of women appear to experience yes i do think absolutely well, it's interesting because from my own experience looking back you're going into it. I was always health health physio, but the first time you give birth is your first experience yeah. giving birth. So you're still yeah. new to this situation, no matter what you understand. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And looking back now, it's it's amazing because that was such a positive birth experience for me mm-hmm. in a midwifery led unit. Yeah. But mm-hmm. I went into labour on my due date, which is unheard of. And when you're the first time mm-hmm. mother yeah. ringing up and saying that you think you're in labour, you kind of get away. Yeah. Okay, dear, maybe you're probably having a few. <laughs> <laughs> um, I remember going in and. Um, 
I had a great team, although they initially did want me on my back at one stage and um, because they wanted to be able to view the perineum. And I instinctively, I just knew yeah. I need to flip round. I yeah, need to be up over. I need ah, to be on all fours. So I got up and I delivered. But I was also, there was an element of fear within me. It was fear of the unknown, fear oh, of yeah. mm-hmm. what's happening. So I knew mm-hmm. that you know, I was getting coaxed to push and I wasn't pushing. I was fake pushing. I think my husband always laughs about the time that he was like, <laughs> you, were, you were actually pretending as if you were pushing, but you weren't. And then he, I remember him coming up to the head of bed going, what are you doing? And I was like, he's like, why are you not pushing? And I was like, because it's going to hurt. And he goes, everybody knows you're not pushing. I was like, okay. But then what did my body do? I delivered my baby and I did not push that baby. My uterus yeah. just delivered it. So that was yeah. a really positive, what I would call yeah. physiological delivery. Exactly. That I didn't realize the benefit of the time because I probably sh- potentially could have been medicalized in that pregnancy. For all my subsequent pregnancies, I was diagnosed with obstetric cholestasis. So mm-hmm. from that medical, it's totally different birth experiences mm-hmm. in CTG monitoring full time, want you on the mm-hmm. bed. And I was like, but I just want to flip around and walk about and do my thing. Like, mm-hmm. uh, uh, And Karonia, actually, you see, even for these women uh, who like yourself, who have got some complexity, who have got some issues arising that does require um, uh, more careful uh, uh, monitoring and, and, and so forth, uh, medications or whatever, intervention, we can still help support and optimize your physiology. Because yeah. actually that is going to help you have your baby. So, you know, it doesn't mean if you're deemed as high risk and therefore you are, it's looking like you're going to be on that bed. Why can't we actually optimize your physiology and say, well, we're going to say, let's help you move around a little bit here. We're going to, mm-hmm. you know, we're really going to support you here to, to be able to make sure that your body can work optimally. Why do we give all that up? Because you know it's like that machine's coming and you're on your back. So we just and say, oh, well. Psychologically, so. probably from my back, I don't know whether it's because I'm in the health system psychology, I don't do well with being medicalized, if you know what I mean. Yeah. So I, I'm like, it, anyway, I, mm-hmm. I advocated and funny by number four, I was begging that if I just go into <laughs> spontaneous delivery, can I just have, can I just be midwifery led, please? Yeah. Um, and so they worked really hard with me. I, I I was never really truly midwifery led, but they let me deliver in the midwifery led unit because mm-hmm. psychologically that helped me. And yeah. they allowed me to labor in the pool. I wasn't allowed to deliver in the pool, but they allowed, they got the mobile telemetry and let me do that. There you Whereas, are. So they worked with me, but mm. I had to very much advocate with it. But I found that a really positive birth experience. So my last, first and last deliveries, really positive in the sense that I just, I just remember actually enjoying labor yeah, at a point. Lovely. <laughs> that's great. But I think that's really interesting because you've, you've mentioned, you know, that you, you were allowed to lead by instinct, weren't you? You were with, certainly with, with, with your first baby and then with your fourth baby, you were experienced enough to, to be able to advocate for yourself a little more. If, if I reflect on my own birth story, I, I would say I was the complete opposite. I'm a stress head anyway. I was very anxious about giving birth. I'd had a horrible pregnancy. I was very unwell. And I really wanted, in truth, to be have someone hold my hand through the process because I was so terrified. I felt so poorly. And um, as soon I was overdue, and as soon as uh, my my midwives sort of picked up a little on my anxiety, they were trying to reassure me, it's okay that you're overdue, but if you don't go into labor today, we are going to induce you. And the thing I didn't want was to be induced, and I was. And 
the whole process for me was very t- scary. I was, oh. I think I got stuck in the hospital ward, which I didn't want to be in. And I could hear women laboring. I was on my own. Um, and, and as the night was going on and my induction didn't seem to be working, I, I knew kind of what was going to happen. It wasn't going to happen because I was petrified by this point. Oh. And I would have loved someone like you, Molly, to have been there to oh. help, um, to help me, to mm-hmm. advocate for me. And, and this is no criticism on, on the team that were there for me, but in mm-hmm. truth, I didn't see the same midwife mm-hmm. <laughs> more than once. Yeah. Um, and and I, I felt really alone. And I, I think a lot of women feel like this, certainly from whom I speak to. Mm-hmm. And I just wonder how we... How do we find you and how do we how do we as a woman feel that we can advocate for for more of a physiological birth? Because mm-hmm. that would have been my dream. It never happened for me. Yeah. Um, and, yeah. I, and I still to this day, I'm sad about it, yes. but it didn't happen for me. And I'd love for it to happen for some for, for some other women, maybe who are who are feeling as scared as perhaps I yes. was. Yes. Where, where are you? <laughs> uh, <laughs> I mean, what we need to do is have uh, what Garonia described as somebody who did have some complications but was able to have a bit of a happy medium there and she went into the midwife-led model of care now there's a difference so I just want to just highlight that the biomedical model is really for people who need um who have some complexities and and require obstetric influence and and perhaps intervention why is it that 90 probably eight percent or thereabouts of women are actually that is their only option is to have that biomedical model that is not right it's mm. necessary but not for everyone and we've got a tiny proportion of people who've got midwifery led model of care which is in midwifery led units and home births and midwives are happier because they are working in that model of care being able to do their work but they're also that sets you up for optimizing and supporting your physiology and Gronya, you got that and you could have had that emma had you known and had you had a relationship-based model of care as well, which is continuity of care, mm. which is really important and sadly has been thwarted because of lack of resources, midwifery, the whole, everything being under huge pressure, perhaps. I think it's quite complicated. But yeah. really knowing that midwife would have helped you, Emma, to be able to get that support that you required um, and, and deal with your fear and your anxiety, uh, optimize the environment for you so that your physiology would work better you would enjoy yourself better and have um, a better chance of Mm. a straightforward birth but um it's hard isn't it I mean all the midwives who come to my course and I put a lot of energy into this to make sure they leave feeling like wow Wow. I can do something about this immediately I can start making a difference and it has to be like that because it can't be oh well we got to wait until a manager says this or that person no it's got to come from the midwives and from the women themselves Uh, we can't be doing with this top down all the time it's not working let's actually just do it let's find out how the body works better where are the problems lying what do we need to do and here you go let's Mm. do it and it's got to be able to fit in somewhere into where you work and we can do it anywhere 
And this is so. This is what you're teaching on your course, isn't it? Yeah. Um, and give, would you give us a real sort of brief synopsis on on what your course um, involves? Yeah. yeah. So um, there's two two parts to it. The first part, well, not the first, but one part is um, learning more about um, anatomy and physiology that actually makes sense to us. Mm. Oh, you see, I can't, I can't do a synopsis. I've got to go. See, I'm already racing ahead thinking. <laughs> obstetric, you go as long as you want. <laughs> obstetric conjugate and all the, uh, these obstetric, these measurements within the pelvis is like, what the heck? Why are we teaching midwives this? Because it doesn't make any sense. First of all, we all have different shapes, of a shape, different shape of pelvis and different sizes. We, it, it, and it's mobile, it moves. So it's like, this is a nonsense. We have to come away from that very old fashioned pathology ridden um, interpretation of pelvises. Uh, I love um, somebody called Leah Betty. That's L-I-A and her surname is B-E-T-T-I. She's an evolutionary anthropologist and she's been mm. looking at the pelvic shapes and how we've evolved. And and right now, the classification, pelvic classification that we're using in training and in textbooks in the maternity services is the Caldwell Malloy classification from 1932. Oh, gosh. Yes. Nearly old. 100 years old. <laughs> and that was done mainly on white Caucasian women. <laughs> Of course it was. <laughs> of course it was. So now the gynecoid pelvis, which is the only one you can, model you can buy, is deemed as being the normal pelvis, the right. most usual pelvis with the normal mechanisms of labour attached to it. No, it is just one shape. Now, Leah Betty says, actually, we've got because we move around and we mix populations over thousands and thousands of years, we have a variety, a bit of this and a bit of that and a bit of the other. It's all kind of a spectrum of shapes roughly you know based around that classification but you know what in the end Emma and Gronia, I don't actually care what shape of pelvis you have because I wouldn't know that by yeah, looking exactly. at you yeah and I don't yeah. even care because what I care about and this is what we need to shift the emphasis on is quality of experience what is going on for her is she okay is she is is is, is birth unfolding the way it can or is she struggling is there a problem and that's the, the these are the questions we need to ask and 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 that's what I teach I teach the anatomy physiology that, that helps us understand better what's going on on that mechanical element that we've not looked at at all um, and and how is the baby coming through and what how would that be expressed what is it we're looking for how do we identify a mechanical issue as we, uh, I can do that on the phone mm. by asking the right question and understanding the answer. And it's like history taking, you can tell so much from what people yeah, tell you. Exactly, uh, exactly. And, and, it, and so, yeah. So, everything so, you say is yeah. like making me think of like, because back we talk about, like, I love watching Call the Midwife. And my granny was actually the district <laughs> nurse who the district nurse was also the midwife, you know, in yes, the day. The exactly, nanny, so she used to exactly. be on her bicycle going and yeah. delivering babies. And you think, yeah. 
if she was able to do that like I know I know mad absolutely absolutely um and, and we have not improved outcomes by the way all this intervention has not improved outcomes yeah, all we've done is have um more surgery more perineal trauma more pelvic floor issues as you know because your physios you see the yeah. result of that so we haven't improved outcomes and we haven't we're not saving babies well, on the outcomes bit, that's really interesting because one of the reasons, say, for particularly for two of my births, the two in the middle, mm-hmm. that I was maybe on my back, I wanted to be, you know, instinctively, I, I'm someone yeah. who likes to be in that upright position. Mm-hmm. Um, and I was more contained. I probably wasn't advocating for myself as well in those two mm-hmm. deliveries. And I was on the bed. And one of the reasons, which I then was happy enough with, I reasoned and was like, okay, one of the reasons that they wanted me on that position line was because of the, I suppose, the wayside pathway and they were doing perineal uh-huh. support uh-huh. and they could see it uh-huh. better and do that if I'm in that uh-huh. position whereas if uh-huh. I'm up on all fours they can't so yeah. like, what's the stance on that because okay. again OASI stats are something that midwives do mm. want to reduce and that's a huge obligation of course them. you're absolutely right I'm going to say something here that okay the, the OASI is not as straightforward as it seems uh, I would actually say um, you need to look at this under um, a critical analysis of OASI um, study um, that we're using to inform the practice at the minute. And that was by Dr. Jim Thornton and Hannah Dallin. And um, they wrote um, an analysis on that. So it's not it's not as, uh, as it seems. I don't think it should be used. However, I am aware that we need to reduce that. First of all, there are a couple of things that we're doing. Um, uh, 24% of women are giving birth in lithotomy position for an unassisted vaginal birth so not even any reason for like it's in still yeah that's cqc england um and that's in england obviously so uh, yes so lithotomy we know increases the possibility of severe perineal trauma Mm -hmm. so straight off you've got that you've also got uh directed pushing and I'm sure that has an influence as well. We've got synthetic oxytocin. That's an, almost a pandemic, an epidemic of the use of synthetic oxytocin. I don't even want to get started on that one because it's a huge issue. But I'm sure that that um, I know that there's a small study that suggests actually it increases the potential for pelvic floor trauma. And um, I, I do believe it's also implicated in perineal trauma. Now, I want to just say something. I am teaching this in... in um, in many hospital trusts Mm. and one of them um, has a perineal trauma midwife there expert midwife and she's associated with the OSI um, um, initiative and she wrote to me and said Molly we have dramatically reduced severe perineal trauma rates wow and I put it down to the fact that we're also using biomechanical techniques wow well, yeah. that's amazing. And that came from her because I thought, well, it'll be the work she's doing, surely. But she said, well, yes, obviously that's going to have an impact. But she says it's been noted since we've implemented the the strategies and work that you've been you've been teaching us. That's fantastic. And actually, that's Isn't something it? that I'm interested in because, you know, obviously everything we do and there's such a huge focus on evidence informed mm-hmm. care. Mm-hmm. What in terms of your work, like in terms of audits and um, studies like have you managed to get no. to any sort of data oh, it's coming 
it's okay. coming it's coming uh it's a slow I mean I'm overwhelmed with work and I am mm. so pleased about that but it is overwhelming and mm. I have a lot to do because I want this to be in the curriculum and I'm working on that and I'm talking to universities who are really interested in putting it into the curriculum quite rightly right. because it needs to be there um I'm also talking about uh, training the trainers in the hospital trust because I can't keep up with it so I'm getting a little network of trainers to teach the practical side and I'm trying to get all the theory online so we yes. and, and, and do all that um and and then the audit and we've got uh, it, we are starting to audit it um one of the midwives who's going to be a trainer with me she's um with her colleagues have managed to um get in touch with BadgerNet and BadgerNet is a data collection system in in many hospitals and they've included a biomechanics um box where you can say I use biomechanical techniques so we'll be able to get data from that that will be able to come later um lots of midwives are and student midwives are thinking of doing research in the subject so that's starting to come as well um so right now it's mostly anecdotal um uh, and which is not uh, we say oh well anecdotal that actually is brilliant because it's loads and loads of stories of success mm. and people are going wow actually that works and and it does and that's why it's so popular because it does work that's because good. it works with physiology and um you know you move your your pelvis a certain way you make a little bit more space for your baby Definitely. when you've got an obstructed labor which a difficult labor if it's a mechanical issue that is actually a really logical thing to do Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. so it's like you know we might not have we do have there is some research obviously available uh regarding this subject but uh we need much more of course like many things yeah and so that's a really that would be a lovely um step into improving maternity care yes. if, if by the sounds of it by yes. by um by getting a lot of the techniques that you teach um, taught to, to midwives, how else do you think we can improve our maternity care? Let, mm-hmm. Let's let's keep it simple mm-hmm. in the UK. I think let's yeah. keep it into the UK. Um, well, um, so um, I, I, I'm going to go on to the second part. Yeah, 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 because that's actually going to answer that. Emma. Right. Um, because it's not all about, yes, identify, understanding it, um, identifying the problem, um, uh, and then and then um, providing some sort of solution there. Oh, part of that solution, because everything's interlinked, part of that solution is going to come from freedom to move freedom yes. to mobilize um to have the choice to do that and also instinctive and intuitive um positions and movement and you mentioned that Gronya, in your own um births that you wanted to have that so how do we do that we got to take apart layers and layers it's really complex and that comes into culture and narrative um that exists and that's part two emma and I, it's my favorite bit in the sense <laughs> i absolutely love that and i spend a, a few hours in part of the the first part of the course talking about this and exploring it so we can cut and and doing it away in a way that we come to that conclusion ourselves because nobody can teach you that you've got to have your little doors open in your brain for that to happen and suddenly you go oh my god of course yeah bloody hell yeah um and 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 so the physiology informed birth preparation classes are going to it should be aimed at 
trying to help women be more intuitive because mm-hmm. it's all very well saying move intuitively if you don't know what the heck that means mm-hmm. and you're terrified and you don't know <laughs> and so how can we do that and you know what we can do that in so many simple ways one of the ways is dance put your funky music on and in your kitchen and dance like nobody's looking oh. and, and you know move your body feel your pelvis how is it moving get into your body a little bit more we are disconnected from our bodies mm. so much in our modern lifestyles um we sit too much get up and mm-hmm. move around start to pay attention to how your body feels will go help you go down the route of moving instinctively and being a bit more confident about that in the bathroom how midwives um, behave in the bathroom too. They have to fight their corner because what midwives bring to the mix is massive. Mm -hmm. Midwifery care is astonishingly effective. And we have all the studies that say that. We save lives. We do. the, the, The research there to say midwifery work is really really effective so we have to fight for a place within the biomedical model as it stands and work our way towards um having more of a midwifery model in there but right now we've got to do what we can by saying we need this time to sit with this woman well on that note Molly Sorry to interrupt you there I was going to say on that note how is there any resistance or pushback because it we do exist sometimes within a biomedical and somewhat hierarchical sort of institution. Uh Is there any pushback from obstetricians who feel that, you know, like what's there? Is is there any pushback? No, no. Actually, there isn't. And you know what? I think the reason for that is because, and I do, and this is where it becomes tricky. I don't want it to be one of those, oh, we'll just learn the moves. Mm -hmm. Because if we just learn the moves and we don't make any of the changes, my logo says changing the day, changing the conversation about childbirth. And that is a, a, a wonderful thing that we need to do if we're going to change culture. And that's been in all the reports, all the reports, is uh, all those maternity reports like Kirkup and Ockenden are saying the culture. We need yes. to change the culture. So this is part and parcel of changing the culture. And, and, and it's also listening to women. So when we start to do that, we start to chip away at something that has been very insidious and negative, and we start to chip away at that, and the light shines through, and mm-hmm. we're listening to the women. And once we start listening to the women, and they say, oh, "Do you know it doesn't feel right? Oh, I've got this pain right here in my pelvis at the front," and and she's she's bent forward, and you think, "Why is she doing that?" Has she got a mechanical issue? Is that baby sitting in her pelvis in a way that's causing her this real pain at two centimetres? Yes, maybe she does. Would you like to try this? Um, And then she tries a movement and suddenly she says, oh, that feels so much better. Mm. We suddenly have lights come into our brain that go, wow, this is something we need to know more about. And, And it's those wow factors that bring everybody in and they go, oh, there's something going on here that we need to know more about. And so, so that's, that's why I think there's, no lot, there's not a lot of uh, um, obstacles to it. But we need to be cautious that we don't just say, 
uh, we'll just use these positions willy-nilly. Mm. We need to be understanding and bringing the women center into the central yeah. area here because they've been pushed to the side almost as if yeah. they didn't matter and this is our opportunity to do that and it's our opportunity to bring the midwife with them because that's who they walk with them and, and, and midwifery work can then become higher profile uh, rather mm. than you're just a, an assistant to the obstetrician yeah do you think um, there's any value sorry molly um mm. do you think there's any value or maybe you already do it in um empowering the woman herself with your concepts i mean do you teach women yes um, as well all of it all of that so the women mm. that, that and that's why i'm that's why i had to redo the moving for an easier birth i i right. had it quite simple and i i would sit there but then it was another one of I'm sitting in front of a computer. I really yeah. need this to be able to sit alone. And so I put it alone uh, on on online f- um, uh, learning management system. And I um, but I, I I'm I'm such a midwife, and I got and I love <laughs> I'm such a midwife in the such as that I'm in the profession, and I love it, and I love midwives, and I love the detail. And I probably used far too many words. And I thought, oh, Molly, you've got to redo that. So that's why I'm doing it. Make it more simple for the women. They don't need to know all that. They this and they 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 can, but here's here's it in a, a corner here. If you want to click on that, you'll find out more. But I don't want to overwhelm them. They get such a lot of information. So yes. I want to it has to be done in a way that they can take it up without it being too much for them yeah. and they can get the essence of it. And the, because Emma, what and this is the same for everything anything that I'm doing on uh, teaching. I would be failing miserably if after I've taught that you walk away and you forget what I've just told you. I don't want that. That That's pointless. There's no no use of that. Yeah. They need to go away and go, right, okay, I know what I need to do. Yeah, absolutely. Well, I think you maybe want to get pregnant again. <laughs> <laughs> it's okay to my husband. I don't really want to. Um, but, but you've also made me want to become a midwife because I, I, I do think it's a beautiful job. And it's I, a wonderful I, job. I think it's heartbreaking that we're losing it's so many incredible oh, midwives really? because it's the demands of the job as such. Yeah. Um, and I'm really... I have to say, I think your course sounds fabulous. I mean, Tracy was raving about it. And Tracy is a physio. So it's not just midwives doing your no. courses, is it? No, um, I had two physios um, a few days ago and it was wonderful. And I, I love having physios there because I'm saying all these things. Some of them I'm saying because I've been, as an autodidact, I'm I'm delving deeply to try and yeah. bring, uh, where is this information? And then I'm also applying my own experience and knowledge that I've learned from witnessing birth unfold and especially those difficult births um, uh, uh, and putting them together and starting to make sense of it and uh, but not always ha- not always I-, I know the evidence is going to be there somewhere and I've got 25 pages on Google pages uh, of, of of different uh, links to studies but um, I-, I love having a physio there because then I say something for example if you have uh, one of one of the things if you have a pelvic floor imbalance um, it, it will not only um, potentially affect um, the baby's journey through through the pelvis, but it can also affect bladder emptying. So you're more uh, likely to have incomplete bladder emptying and retention of urine. Now that bladder in itself then can act as an obstruction for the baby mm. to get past, which actually happened to a good friend of mine recently. And um, 
and, and, and so it's to be aware of the fact that we there are so many elements we have to pay attention to and be aware of. She's dehydrated, but she could have a full bladder there because she's not emptied it. Um, and, and, and then I refer to the physios and say, what do you think? Have I just said, is that correct? Do you feel that? Absolutely. Yes, that's that's <laughs> that's right. So it's like oh, great to have them there going. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. That's how it works. Because I'm not a physiotherapist. You have got so much more information about um, this than I have. I'm a midwife, but the, we could we need to collaborate. Absolutely. We need to be. They talk about multidisciplinary training. Absolutely. Yeah. But we're not just with obstetricians and midwives, but with physiotherapists because we have a mechanical element of the birth that um, it remains a mystery. Yeah, absolutely. And I think, I mean, Gwenya and I um, bang this drum quite a lot um, in terms of trying to make a, a woman's pregnancy and her postnatal recovery very proactive and, and you know, really prepare her for mm-hmm. not just her birth, uh, her mm-hmm. birth, but also her postnatal recovery. And, and I do think educating women making sure that we're collaboratively supporting women through their pregnancy mm. I, th- I think it's a game changer and it's, mm. it's just about having that conversation with each mm-hmm. other absolutely. It's, it's, it's it's fundamental I think to her, it is. To her it is. journey you're absolutely right I, I, I and, and we've always got to put the women's center we talk about women's center yeah. care but that's just been um <laughs> a, uh, what's the word platitude it's not it's not real like lip service nearly yeah, it, yeah. really yeah. it hasn't been real and that's come out time and time again women are not feeling listened to and it's time we did that because they've got literally inside information that they can give us to help us understand and therefore help guide them to a a better and more positive birth experience I think that sums things up really nicely there even just that's the whole aim of everything that we want to achieve exactly exactly it should always be about the women shouldn't it yeah always and Mm -hmm. I I could probably talk to you for a lot lot longer oh totally um (laughs) thank you ever so much can I ask if anyone's interested in your course or finding Mm -hmm. out more about you where where would where would we best find you yes I have a website it's www.optimalbirth.co.uk and I the 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 moving for an easier birth um parent education class the birth preparation class that's going to well it's it's coming soon but all these things take so much longer (laughs) than you expect I know Uh, and then there's the professionals uh which is for anybody who's associated uh with birth and and helping women uh, in in their pregnancy and their birth uh, in the in the bathroom that would be like hypnobirthing educators physios doulas student midwives midwives obstetricians um and chiropractors and so forth so they they all come to the course as well and they're all um uh, i have got uh, biomechanics for birth which is the course for them fantastic mm. well we'll attach all of those to our show notes Thank um you. and Thank you so much for your time. Thank you so much for your knowledge and your experience and helping the hundreds of women that you have. Mm. And um, I hope we can perhaps catch up on a, on another podcast episode. Oh, yes, that would be lovely. In, in, in the future. So yes. thank you so much, Molly. We've really enjoyed that chat. Thank you, Emma. Thank you, Gronia. Thanks, Molly. Thank you so much for joining us on this episode. We really hope you enjoyed it. 
always love to hear your feedback and any questions you might have. So please do contact us via Instagram at your cervix underscore the podcast or Twitter at your cervix underscore PM. Don't forget to check out our wonderful sponsor, Pelvic Relief. You can find them at www.pelvicrelief.co.uk. Gronya and I really look forward to catching up with you next week.